Hello, everybody. Welcome to the mailbag. Good to have you with us. We've opened the door. We've let you in. And sitting by the fireplace, it's that rascal, Andy Brassel. Andy, how are you? I'm great, Spells. I'm all the better for hearing you just before we came on air and started recording, doing a load of Public Image Limited references. I I felt I had to share that with the listeners because that was pretty special. I didn't know you had it in the locker. This is not a love song, Andy. There'll be a lot of people who won't know who Public Image Limited are, and if they do, they won't care. But it was the band that John Lydon formed after those sexy pistols. So, Andy, without further ado, let us crack on with some, uh, some, of, some of the questions that our good listeners have posed to you. We're going to start with, with your friend of mine, Lee R., who says, uh, are there any other teams around Europe that aren't taking part in European competition this season that are well-placed to surprise people? Maybe, uh, 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 you know, have a great onslaught at uh, domestic trophies. Now, I should say, by the way, um, good people of uh, of Patreon, that there were one or two other questions asking about... Um, teams doing well potentially in Europe this season. Well, the draws haven't happened at the time of recording for European competition, so we'll tackle them at a, at a later time. But but in the meantime, we'll talk about domestic football with Lee R. So, Andy, what you got to say to your friend of mine, Lee? I, th- I think it's a really interesting question. And I think particularly in this season, with the schedule being what it is, not playing European football... Um, is going to be something that will provide a huge advantage. Uh, I think we've maybe mentioned this on the on the, on the main ramble before, but the fact that um, the Europa League and the Champions League are basically all smashed in, all the group stages are all smashed into two months just before Christmas with mm-hmm. a, a tiny little pause in the middle. I think this is going to be difficult for even the biggest clubs. It's going to be really tough to have three successive weeks of Champions League um, domestic league, Champions League, domestic mm-hmm. league, Champions League, domestic league. It's, it's going to be so hard. So there could be a little bit of an opportunity, I think, for teams. I mean, I know they're not not in European competition. Obviously, they're, they're going to be in the Champions League. I do wonder if... Sevilla would definitely be on my list if they were still in the Europa League, if they weren't in the, the, the Champions League. Because I feel mm-hmm. that in, the, the Europa League is almost a little bit easier to deal with because... The gap between the the big teams and the small teams in the group stages is so much more pronounced than it is in the Champions League. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel that if, if Sevilla was still in the Europa League, they would be able to put out really a half or a 25% of their normal team and be able to win those games with, with reasonable comfort. Mm-hmm. In the Champions League, it will be a different kettle of fish, obviously. And I wonder how that affects the fact that... I think their ability to grind out results, especially if they had a top striker, I, I think they would be a, a reasonable contender for La Liga this season. I, I still don't think it's completely off the table. Um, but I, I do think the the way that things stand is it might be it, it might be a little bit tricky for them, uh, j- just the same as it will be tricky for um, to an even greater extent, say, Borussia Mönchengladbach or you know, a lot of other teams in... In, in the Champions League, 
the one that springs to mind for me immediately, mm. yeah. and I don't want to go on about them at any great length, is, go on, Andy. Go on. is, is, is Herta, because we, we, we talked about them last week. As mm. I was saying to Lee, I, I really think, and to everyone, I really think um, that they've got a good chance of, of finishing top four this season. Yeah. I, I think that's eminently possible. Uh-huh. So um, f- for them, I... Um, especially with the squad they're building and that by the time you hear this, they might have even signed a few more players um, up to transfer deadline because I know that they're, they're looking at a few more and their squad could really be something. I think certainly in terms of the front half of the pitch, there's there's not a lot of arguments. I, I mm. think in terms of their defensive depth, maybe there are a few issues, but I, I, I definitely fancy them to, to push up towards um, the, the top four. I'm really interested, actually, to see what um, Athletic Club in Bilbao do this. Do you know what, Andy? I'm glad you said them. I'm very glad you said them because I, I had my eye on them as well. Did you? Yeah. Oh, good, good on you. Because I've well, got the La Liga table up in front of me. <laughs> so you literally had your eyes on them? Yeah, I was going down and I thought Osasuna and uh, Levante, eh, probably not this time, uh, Vidalid. Athletic Bilbao, I've heard of them. And that they had such an incredibly disappointing end to last season. They did. I think Gaze Cagaritano needs to pull something together. I think I think you can easily forget a what talent they've got on the books. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, now you've got in a position where Ika Munyain, as, as well as looking like some sort of Nordic warrior, oh, is yeah. now recovered from injury. He's the captain. You're expecting him to lead the the, the team forward. You still have other team um, talent like Inyaki Williams, uh, Inigo Martinez, Unai Simon is, is is probably even the best goalkeeper in La Liga. He's certainly not a, a long way off. I, I think you could argue he's the best Spanish goalkeeper out there at the moment. Obviously, De Gea and um, uh, Kepa have had their challenges in, in, in recent times. And the second thing you've got to remember about Athletic is they're historically extremely successful. So they're very proud of the, the way they produce their players and the way they the way they get their team ready of course but that they they need to do a lot better than they did last season you okay. can't be rocking a squad like they are and yeah. not getting anywhere and, and, and finishing like eighth or or, or tenth so yeah. the, about, there's, a, there's a lot of pressure on Gaditano to do something what about Valencia Andy seems an obvious one but they're not in Europe this season and they were the uh, requirements to uh, Lee R's question when he said you know a team that aren't taking part in European competition this season Valencia finished ninth last season, just outside the Europa League spots. The issue I have with Valencia is they are also tat. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's the big problem, issue. really, because um, as we speak, uh, they've got rid of a lot of good players, not replaced any of them. Although, again, there might have been a few more little deals towards the end of the the, the window. But it's something that Javi Gracia, before he even took charge of a game, was complaining about the fact that we've sold four players and we haven't replaced them. And I was promised they would be replaced. Now, I know he's probably someone who doesn't fret about job security too much, having been at Watford for a while. But I think coming out with something like that in your first, in your press conference before your first mm-hmm. competitive game, conveys such a level of exasperation that um, I wonder, A, is is he long for the job? And B, how far they can really get? I mean, the, the, other, the other good thing, I suppose, for Valencia, not in terms of them making Europe or anything like that, because I, I believe that to be completely off the table. But mm-hmm. um, you look at players like Kang In, uh, Yunus Musa, the 17-year-old English winger, 
are going to get chances because there's more holes in that squad than a Swiss cheese. But it does give those younger players a chance to to, to come forth and and have a go, which um, I, I think is I think is pretty mm-hmm. good. The, the the other one that is really up in the air, a really difficult one to call because they've had such an agitated transfer window which again i suspect would have twitched a little bit by the little bit more by the time you listen to this is is leon because um Uh, i think you could argue in terms of their squad of players they have the second best squad in france obviously that squad might look a little bit less different by by the time you're hearing this but they'll still have a good squad um and i think you look at player for player they're as, as good as anyone in the league apart from from Paris Saint-Germain um, what they've done quite well in terms of raising money this summer is they've managed to sell a lot of chaff around the squad that they didn't really want um, th- there's a lot of friction bet- behind the scenes it doesn't look like Rudy Garcia's contract will necessarily be extended beyond this season as I mentioned on um, on, on the continent mm-hmm. uh, this week but the fact is they're not playing in Europe for the first time in 22 years and yeah, that's mad. That's part of the reason they've had to cut the squad because they've got a squad that is built to play a lot of games and obviously that costs money in terms of wages. Um, if they can find a way to play, and you know, we saw enough potential in the Champions League and even if the squad has changed a little bit from that, um, we saw enough in the Champions League to show that when they get it together on their day, there is quality there. So, until the team settles down, until we get to back end of October, November, I'm not sure there's any way of really knowing quite how well they can do this season. But I think when you get Rennes in the Champions League, mm-hmm. when you get Marseille in the Champions League, they're two of those teams, if we go back to the beginning, who I think will really feel it. That, yeah. that they will find it difficult to continue getting league results while they're in some cases, getting absolutely battered in the Champions League, I suspect. Um, so that is maybe something that, that, that Leon could take advantage of. Yeah, I think it's about time we see Monaco doing something, Andy. It's been a couple of years, but that's just my opinion. Um, I'm going to throw one for the purists, few... one for the romantics, <laughs> one for the wealthy. I'm going to throw <laughs> out a few team names, Andy, and I want quick fire. I want to, you to tell me if they can do something domestically and impress uh, upon. Um, the 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 hearts and minds of the European public. Uh, okay. Fior- Fiorentina. Um, I would love to think so. Um, Castrovilli is almost as entertaining as Ribery when he gets it together, but no, no. Okay, uh, Bologna. No. <laughs> All right, fire. That's quick fire. That's fine. Yeah. S- Spal. No, they got twenty points and were relegated last season, Andy. It's like the only way is up. So you've uh, you've shot yourself in the foot there. Um, they okay, lost, they lost their best centre forward. They lost did, their best centre forward in Andrea Patania. It can't happen. Haven't we all? Apart from Fulham, um, and it's paying dividend. Uh, okay, is it Boa Vista's time again, Andy? Well, I tell you what, they've got a couple of interesting signings, and they've got mm-hmm. this partnership with Lille now, where that's how they got. Um, uh, Angel Gomez, who um, signed from Manchester United to Lille on loan, for example. They've signed a couple of other big names. They've got um, Adil Rami has joined, ah. um, Javi Garcia, part of their proud 5-0 home defeat in the derby to Porto the other Love week. Love that. Love that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, 
slightly different dimension to the way that Boavista are, are going about things. And because there's so little money outside the, the the biggest teams in the Portuguese top flight, who who knows? But it yeah. does depend a lot on how those veteran players actually play and if they've got anything left in the tank. Yeah. What about Famalicão? Famalicão have lost a lot of players yeah. um, th- th- this summer. Uh, n- notably, uh, Pedro Gonçalves has gone to gone to Sporting. Um, uh, Nelwyn Perez has, has gone back, back to Atletico as, as, as things stand. He's been on the bench for a few of their games this season. So I do think it will be a little bit tougher for them in, in, in their second season. But I do think they're a team who will hang around the, mm-hmm. the top six or eight in seasons going forward just because... Yep. Of, of the funding they've 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 got, I suspect sure. something will happen to to make them not like perennial European qualifiers or anything like that, but at least push towards that. Mm-hmm. And with a little bit of money, well, that is possible in Portugal. Well, it is, and uh, you know they were very they only missed out on the Europa League second round qualifying uh, spot by mm. a point. You know we started to get to know them a bit, but as you say, it's a shame they've sold some players. So it could be unfamiliar cow uh, in in this season. <laughs> Ander Capa, ojo el balón, puede ponerlo de nuevo para el remate de Adunis o de Williams. Gol, 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 gol. Let's move on then, Andy, to a question here from DJ Chubby Bubble, who says, who is Andy's favourite footballer attempting to rap? Now, I, sh- I should say, Andy, uh, Tyler responded to this saying Clint Dempsey should be the only answer. Paddy believes that you'll choose Memphis Depay. Uh, well, I guess everyone thinks I, I, I would choose Memphis Depay. I mean, mm-hmm. what I think's worth pointing out, is, and I think Memphis's flow has definitely improved in, flow. in, in, in recent years, is that there, there's a mini market of Dutch footballer rappers, isn't there? Is there? There've been quite a few out there. <laughs> Ryan Barbel, Royston Drenter, of course. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was another one. I have to say, one of the best bits of Brian football Penis. television I've ever seen, which mm-hmm. I may have, I may have mentioned on here before, is um, when Revista de la Liga, a brilliant program on Sky Sports, was still going. I remember the, the great Guillaume Balaguer going to. Um, uh, Hercules when they were in the top flight mm-hmm. to um, interview Royston Drenter when he was there and um, Guillaume went to him like while they were standing on the edge of the training pitch I, yeah um, I've, I've heard you can you can rap which is spit us a couple of bars and I, I suspect he was joking and anyway Drenter went straight off into this into this <laughs> freestyle and Guillaume was like nodding his head and going yeah yeah like he was a hype man it was it was amazing I, I, I doubt Guillaume Balaguer used the, the language, can you spit us a couple of bars? I think that those are exactly the words that he used. <laughs> oh, dear. Guillaume Balaguer, of course, once name-checked me on Revista de la Liga on Sky Sports. That's genuinely true. Um, Andy, what about this question here from Richard Hinman, who says, with Aaron Hickey shining in his debut for Bologna, Scotland now have three good left backs with Robertson and Tierney as well. Are there examples or other examples of countries having lots of talent in one particular position? I'm thinking France at centre-back, Slovenia with goalkeepers, they spring to mind. Uh, And is there anything a national association can do to redress the balance or a national coach can do to fit them all in the side? Well, in the the case of... um, 
Slovenia? Probably not, Richie. Um, <laughs> uh, DJ Chubby Bubble mentioned Algeria producing a fair few handy wingers. So a lot to talk about there, Andy. Fire away. Um, the French centre-back situation at the moment is absurd. It's mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. The, 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 the amount of depth there. I, I mean, I kind of look at what they've got. And maybe it's partly uh, a perception conditioned by the injuries he's, he's suffered over the last little while. But if things carry on like they are, I'm, I'm not even convinced like Emmerich Laporte gets, gets to 10 or 15 caps uh, just because the depth is incredible. I mean, so much of it does depend on fitness. And obviously, Rafael Varane, for example, has had his challenges. When we talk about fitness, of course, Sammy Lumtiti, who was arguably their best defender, uh, at the 2018 World Cup, things have gone very, very wrong for for him since, and I hope he gets himself back in a position where where he can play and mm-hmm. play regularly and and get back towards his best. Because as you know, Marcus, he's the only big Sam that counts for me. Yes. quite frankly, um, I think the, the 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 interesting one that everyone's looking at the moment is looking at at the moment is Upamecano. Um, because he really impressed in the Champions League and particularly in that game against uh, the quarterfinal against Atletico for those who may be not that familiar with Leipzig. Um, I think, again, going back to the the, the theme of of, of getting healthy, um, there were a lot of people last season who were Leipzig watchers who would have suggested that Upamecano is, is, is not even their best centre-back or he's not even their best French centre-back it's mm-hmm. Ibrahima Konate so it would be interesting to to see him get a little go going forward if he gets himself fit I think it would be it would be really wonderful to to, to see how he would do I mean there's just an enormous choice really mm-hmm. um, for, for, for for France to, to go with I do wonder if at some point maybe you get to the point with Upamecano where you stick one of them in defensive midfield. Permacano has got the football chops to, to carry that off. I think he's a player who would look like a midfielder if you played him in midfield rather than look like a defender playing in midfield. And if you want to become more front foot, and maybe this is not something that's going to happen under Didier Deschamps because we know he's quite circumspect or he has been quite circumspect with um, this France team over the last little while and I don't think there's any suggestion that that will necessarily change I think if you come to a subsequent French coach who's maybe a little bit more adventurous and maybe a Permacano is 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 a great defensive midfielder for you because he's not just someone who's a blocker we know he can tackle but mm-hmm. he's he's someone who can bring the ball forward you know, like a, a prime Nemanja Matic or like N'Golo Kante when he's, he's at his very best. Some, something like that. So that might be quite an interesting thing. Um, as far as other teams producing the same sort of player, um, you've got to go back to Portugal and wingers every time. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you look at that um, that conveyor belt and mm-hmm. that's what it is. And not just coming out of Portugal, but coming out of sporting. It predates the current Alcachet Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they they um, train and uh, the first team trains and they have the academy at Alcachet which is like um, a little fishing village just outside Lisbon so you can kind of cut yourself off like, sort of Milanello vibes you know you find your world within a world really <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but 
like when um, Cristiano Ronaldo came through and some of those other wingers like um, uh, Simao, like uh, Luis Figo, of course, before you get down the line and, and, and go to um, uh, Nani and, and, and players like that. Um, it, it, they, they just boarded around the back of the main stand of the Alvalade. Mm-hmm. Going back all those years, the old Alvalade, not the not the new Alvalade. So, um, you know, th- th- we're, we're talking about something that's happened over generations in, in, in Portuguese football. And it was considered a, a problem for a long time because they had loads of wingers and no centre forwards. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Uh, Fernando Santos, who, like Didier Deschamps, is kind of thought of as a like not particularly exciting one-trick coach. I, I think Fernando Santos was shown and he's always been upfront about he, he doesn't care about football aesthetically he just wants to win um well but, he's done incredibly well oh he's done incredibly that. well i agree but what i think he's done even more well is the fact that he's credited as like i think people look at this especially in portugal because of his relationship with greek football of course he's he's been in charge of the big three over there and um he's um been in charge of the the, the, the national team the idea is that Fernando Santos is just a defensive coach and will nick a goal here and there and he, he wants to kill the game. I think there's a little more to it than that because you've noticed post-Euro 2016 when, admittedly, Portugal didn't play wonderful football and it was football to win. They've tried to develop a little bit because he, like a lot of good coaches, plays to the strengths of the players that he has. And I think he realises this, this this next generation is a little bit more expressive and, and they, they have played some really decent football un, under him I, I think in in the in the last little while and I think adapting to the players that you've got going back to the original question is is, is the key point of, of of international football because you, you, you can't go and buy players so if you go back to Euro 2016 when they really didn't have any top quality strikers to, to speak of Portugal and that they needed to figure out how to get the best out of Cristiano Ronaldo who at that point is still not really thought of as an out-and-out centre-forward. And Ronaldo ends up being partnered in a 4-4-2 with Nani, mm. who's a winger. And Nani being played as a striker really worked out for them because it allowed Ronaldo to do less running, be more fixed point, to have someone who made slightly different runs that you, you would expect of someone who was a, a centre-forward by trade. I think that was something that worked with them really well. And obviously because Nani and Ronaldo are both sporting academy graduates, but knew each other from Manchester United. There was that click, good mm-hmm. friends off the pitch as well. Um, so I, I think good national coaches can always find that way of, of, of working around a situation. Of course, Portugal are in a, a different situation now in that they, they do have genuine centre forwards and I think you'd have to say they're they're led by Andre Silva um, João Felix can can be that even though people look at him and think oh well he's he's a, he's a caca pastiche well, he, he's not because he can score headers on the penalty spot so not a bad person to copy though if he's a caca pastiche yeah uh, but I, I think he can go on to be even more than that because he's got more strings to his game. He's got this incredible toughness. And that's the thing people always missed with Kakar, I think, the, the fact that his physical power was so much part of his 
his his game. Like people looked at the craft, but I think the, the strength was so much part of it, and that's why when his knee went at, at Real Madrid, it was pretty much game over, really, because he did rely so much on the on on the physical part of his game. Mm-hmm. But now Portugal have got proper centre forwards as well. That's something that's that's really gonna gonna work for them. But to conclude, going back to the original question, I think national coaches can find a way around it. Yes, the good ones. Yeah. Like Sven did with all those central midfielders. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been smoother in midfield. <laughs> Incidentally, I saw uh, Nani and Cristiano Ronaldo score for Portugal at that uh, tournament Euro 2016 against Wales in the semi-final. You see, As I I'm wasn't sure... expecting that at all, Marcus. I was no? expecting. I saw Sven the other day. He was coming out of budgeons. We've become very good friends since... Uh... We hooked up on the Rambler and now he lives just down the road from me. <laughs> he might well do. He's like a he's like a thief in the night, though, Andy. We'll never know where he actually truly is at one <laughs> moment or another. Um, I'd like to finish with this question from Dahi, who just says, favourite cryptid? <laughs> um, now, uh, for those who don't know, and I didn't know, uh, a cryptid is an animal whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated such as the yeti so it's sort of a bit a bit like a mythical creature i suppose bigfoot is is another example the loch ness monster andy is a classic of the genre it is i i would say um the dragon yeah i thought you were more of a beast of bodmin moor type of guy well the the, the thing is if i say the dragon people think i'm a porto fan and that's not the case no i don't think i don't think in this chat anyone's going to accuse anybody of supporting football teams <laughs> what about you Black never Shark? know the way it's going to go on the mailbag. Andy, Andy, the what thing, a, what, you always end up in a different place to where you start. Andy, what about Black Shuck? Black Shuck? What's Black Shuck? Oh, the Darkness did a song about it for crying out loud. Oh well, then you should have said. Do you know what? There's some absolute crackers when you when you em- em- enter enter the, the 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 cryptic of the cryptid. Um, when uh, you've got uh, one, I've, I've picked out a few. You just, just, just Google it. Have a nice little five minutes on Wikipedia. Um, I, <laughs> the Mothman in West Virginia in the states was particularly good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, here he comes. Um, just turn your light off. That'll that'll see him away. Um, the Mongolian deathworm, Andy Brassel. We've all seen tremors. My goodness, okay. maybe that was. Uh, um, but a particular uh, highlight was now. Are you aware of, of the region in Turkey, which in English you would pronounce it Van? As a region, no, carry in Turkey, on. When you have Lake Van, and there is a monster in this lake, which is called Lake Van Monster, which to me sounds like a sort of a nickname for like quite a dominating sort of Dutch centre half. <laughs> it, it makes me think of Van Wilder party liaison. Exactly. I know yeah. you, you've always got that on the mind. Obviously. Um, yeah, so I, I did. I did quite enjoy that. Have you ever watched River Monsters on ITV? Usually ITV three or ITV two or something. <laughs> no, no. Have I'm you not. never seen it? Oh, it's brilliant. I'd recommend that to anybody. Obviously, you have to watch uh, terrestrial television in in the UK. Although you might be able to get hold of it. This guy goes round. Uh, uh, sort of. I, I don't know if he's debunking myths. I mean, I suppose he is. You know, in part, but he's saying he he, he turns up at some faraway place. Like I don't know, he'll go to like you know some sort of you know river up the 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 amazon or something in brazil and he'll be like you know in 1763 a child got bitten on the ass by this massive thing and they haven't seen it since i'm here to find out what's going on you know that sort of stuff 
and uh, it's quite fascinating. I would, uh, you know, Sadahi, get involved there. That you, Does Gunasaurus count as one? No, because we've seen him. Right, right. Well, well no, we've we've There's seen nothing mythical artistic... about Gunasaurus. I could take you to where he where he works for crying we've out seen loud. An artistic representation of him. I mean, that's not real Gunasaurus, is it? No, you see him on a Saturday afternoon at the Emirates. No, you see a man dressed up in a cuddly suit. I mean, presumably the real Gunasaurus. All right, Andy, a cuddly suit. Yeah, lives in lives in Camden Lock or something, right? Well, I don't know, Andy. It sounds like you need to add this to the Wikipedia page uh, for cryptid. Um, <laughs> but uh, all I'll say is that the truth is not out there. It's quite obvious. Um, all right, Andy, I think we've come to the end of our time at the mailbag. Sounds like you've just walked out anyway. Um, thank you very much to everybody for getting <laughs> your questions in. Uh, a favourite footballing rapper for me, Andy Cole. Always got to be Andy Cole. Uh, go back to the 90s to find out um, that goodness there. But yeah, um, it's been a pleasure, uh, Andy, as, as always. Uh, but do get your questions in on the uh, on Discord. Thank you for those who have uh, put questions in. Those whose questions weren't answered this week, as I say, We'll get to them uh, next week, I'm sure. Um, so uh, there we are. Andy, what you got on for the rest of the day? Um, well, this is the day of the Champions League draw, of course. Oh. So I'll be all over that. We're, we're doing a, a lovely new On the Continent as well, which you can always find on Football Ramble. Presents with me and Dr. Nadabaya. Oh, super, super. What more could a football fan want? There we are, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good one, Andy. Pleasure as always, my man. And we'll be back next week for more mailbag goodness. Ta-ta. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.